I hope you have a cup of coffee or tea and the time to enjoy today's conversation with author Martin Herman. Martin has written a series of historical faction. Yeah, you heard that right, faction. It's a combo, what I call a combo, of fact and fiction, and it's so fun to read. I thank you for coming today. I'm your host, Delilah Jones of Imagine Publicity, which is a boutique social media management company that works with individuals, companies, or nonprofits looking for assistance with social media presence. But not only do I offer full services, I also offer training to those who prefer to personally handle their own accounts. So if you feel like you need that kind of help, um, you can reach me through imaginepublicity.com. And that's my plug of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I want to say good morning to Martin Herman, who is actually, he's one of my clients. And what I have found over the years, and I've been doing this for many, many years, the people I work with not only become a client, they also become a good friend. And Martin is definitely a good friend. I, I really like to to categorize him in there. Um And I've actually, I live at the beach, and I have actually had at least three clients move to the beach. (laughs) So, Martin, I I hope you have your bags packed and a place picked out. (laughs) Welcome. Should I get suntan lotion ready? You get that suntan lotion and come on. It seems to be a magnet, I, and I love it. You know, it's it's great to have them around. So let's talk a little bit about your background. How did you get into writing, and how did you um, come up with the topics that you enjoy writing about? I I would guess that as most writers, I write what interests me. And I'm always uh, looking for new mystery writers because I enjoy being challenged. Um, I was a lifelong businessman. I, I turned companies around for more than 40 years. And I used to write under a series of pen names just as uh, a way of relaxing. Uh, I sold my first short story just before I entered ninth grade, so it's a long time. It's been quite a while since I was in ninth grade. Uh, I turned uh, novel writer due to parent abuse. I had uh, a manuscript that I wrote over a period of almost 10 years, and it sat on my uh, shelf until my daughter found it and wouldn't give me a minute's piece until I published it. And I was very reluctant to publish it. And so she finally said, show it to somebody who reads books. And if they don't think it's as great as I do, I'll leave you alone, which was nice. (laughs) At least she gave me a choice. I was working with someone at the time who was an avid reader Uh, Didn't quite like me a lot, and I'm not sure I liked him a lot, but there was always two or three books in his attache case. And um, 
I printed out the manuscript, I took my name off of it and the title, and I sent it to him with a little note that just said, I know you read a lot, what do you think? And some days later, I got a phone call from him, no hello, no how are you, just this thing you sent me, who wrote it? And I said, I did. And he started to laugh. He said, you could never write anything that good. Tell me, who wrote it? And I said, I did. And now he was getting annoyed, and I must admit I was too. And uh, he said, look, I'm going to ask you one more time. You give me that cockamamie same answer, and I'm going to hang up on you. Well, he did, and I did, and so he did. And I picked up the phone. I called my daughter, and I said, come, let's publish it. That was almost five years ago. It's in its ninth printing, and it's the Jefferson Files, which frankly started um, a series of what is now five books of mysteries with the same protagonist and a lot of the same secondary characters. Well, that's how I became a writer. <laughs> and that's that's quite the interesting story. What did you find in, in putting all of this together? What are, what were some of your biggest challenges to kind of going into a second life? I I call it. Well, I was surprised that my books were selling from almost the very beginning. Um, the first print run was uh, either 250 or 500 books, and I thought that would be certainly enough to send out Christmas gifts, and, and that's the end of it. Um, they sold in a matter of weeks. Word of mouth started it. I did a few appearances, and it, it just was strange to me that uh, what I thought was just things I was writing for my own amusement was of interest. And the kinds of letters that I was then getting, uh, because in the back of, of the book, I put my email address and said, tell me what you think. And people started to write me the kinds of notes that said that they were taking many of these characters under their own, um, almost, almost as though they were their neighbors. And it it just bonded me to what became my my readership. Um, I get letters from as young as um, teens all the way up to 92 is my oldest reader. And each age group seems to see something different in them. But the first book, The Jefferson Files, really started out of boredom. Um, I was, as, as I mentioned, I, I used to turn companies around, so I would travel two, three hundred thousand miles a year and always on a plane, always in a strange city and I don't um, enjoy eating alone and so I would take my dinners to my room and write. And I was on um, a plane that was just sitting on a tarmac in LAX for, it seemed like forever, and out of boredom I picked up the USA Today that was in my attache case from the morning's uh, hotel and there was this little news item about a, uh, um, a sting operation that the FBI was doing on elected officials they thought were on the take. And Thomas Jefferson's been my hero forever. And all I could think of was, what would he do if somebody tried to influence him or buy his influence? Uh, he always needed money. He was always in debt. Um, he's my hero. I would have hoped he'd just throw them out the window and their bribe right after them, but 
he was human. Who knows? And I pulled out a, a legal pad and, and started just jotting down um, what would Thomas Jefferson do? And that, 10 years later, became the Jefferson Files. Well, you know, I mentioned it in the intro, the word faction. Um, how would you explain, because I'd never heard it before until I started working with you, and I, I you know, was reading the Jefferson Files and enjoyed every page of it, by the way. And it, it's just, it's so full of intrigue and suspense. And go ahead and explain the faction part of it. It's a combination. I, I use real people, places, and events. I then marry that to pretend people, places, and events. And um, I find that it makes it more interesting for me to write and my reader to read. And I do a great deal of research. Usually each book has six months to a year. Jefferson had the better part of five years of research to make sure that what I'm fact is fact, and so that my reader is not confused of which is which, I, I break down my books chapter by chapter in the back with a section that says this was real and this was not. But what faction does is it takes um, true events, real live people, and wherever possible, they become part of the story. And um, I've actually uh, spoken to other writers about it. They find it annoying because when they're looking for something that happened on this and this date, it's usually years before or years after is the best they can find a real event. I've been very fortunate. I've been able to find events that actually happen when they're supposed to happen in my storyline. But for instance, in, we talked about the Jefferson Files. Um, I use the real Speaker of the House, the real head of the Senate, real names of real people, and I marry it to facts that I created. And then let's talk about Will James. Will James is the person who goes is written through all of this series. Well, it's actually the Will James mystery series. Let's talk about him. Who is he? Where'd he come from? Where's he going? And why is he so important to the story? Well, you know, I, I was doing research um, for an, a, uh, a short story I wanted to write about hackers. And I came across this uh, story of a young man he was 15 at the time, a real person who, um, um, with his high school teacher, created a computer at a time when computers weren't everyday uh, conversation pieces. And um, there was a movie in the 70s with Matthew Broderick called War Games about this person, and his name was Jim James. And it turns out that um, he... Uh, started hacking and was able to get into, um, I believe it was the Department of Defense secret um, uh, internet files. And um, he thought it was neat, told all his friends about it, look what I did. And then he realized one day, you know, I'm just 15 years old. If I can do this, bad nations could do it. I gotta tell somebody. He wrote to the uh, Department of Defense and about a month later, went back into the system 
and noticed no changes were made. Well, he thought, maybe they need a little wake-up call. So he went back into the, um, their programming and fiddled things around and then sent a follow-up note that said, this is what just happened. I did it. Here's why I did it. I just wanted your attention. If I can get in, so can a bad nation. About two or three weeks later, went back into the, uh, their system and found, again, nothing changed. Well, he said, let's really shake them up. And he uh, found some semi-private secrets and gave it to an underground newspaper that published it. Three o'clock one morning, the FBI, in their heavy jackets, broke the door down to his home, arrested everybody inside, and um, brought him in front of judges that said, this guy is spreading government secrets. Uh, he was given a six-month um, uh, sentence, and he was allowed to go back home as long as he never again touched a computer for any reason, even private, until he was 21. Well, he broke his parole agreement, and so they put him into jail and then hounded him until, unfortunately, when he turned 21, he committed suicide. He just couldn't take the harassment anymore. Well, I, that little piece of information just hung in my head, and as I was writing the Jefferson Files, it struck me, I need a way of connecting what happened 200 years earlier in the Jefferson administration with a murder so that it becomes a contemporary story as well. And I thought, well, let me bring back Jim James. And I changed his name to Will James. And again, the mail is what dictates what a writer writes. And the mail that came back was, tell me more about this guy. And I did. It, it led to the next book, which led to the next book. And uh, it's now five books, and I'm just beginning a sixth in the series for next year. Well, Will is definitely an interesting character, and, and he's definitely the most interesting, I think, that has, has pulled the storyline all the way through five books. So you say there's going to be more, right? Well, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> good, good. And do you have, can you leak any information about where, the, well, before that, let's go back. Let me step back a little bit because within the five books, the last three are more like what you call a mini series. Can you explain that? I, uh, the, the third book in the series became, um, um, one that I needed a lot of research about. Uh, the premise of the book is a bomb goes off Christmas Eve in a crowded movie theater, and the authorities quickly come in and they find fingerprints and DNA of a convicted murderer. But instantly they realize he could never have had anything to do with this crime because he was executed for being a convicted murderer 80 years earlier. And that's how that one started. And it happens, I, I hope it doesn't happen a lot because it keeps you up nights, but as I was writing that book, two other books were, were in my mind. And so I literally wrote the three books almost at the same time. 
And I did it in such a way so that if you read any one of the three, you'd be perfectly entertained and you would think that you know the whole story. But because I did them together, I laid little seeds in the first book that started to germinate in the second book that started to flower in the third book. And so if you read each one individually, you'd be happy. But if you read the three as a miniseries, you'd pick up a fourth storyline that the other readers almost ignore. And, and that made it somewhat of a miniseries. And those three books are The Sweet Revenge Files, which led to The Return to Sender Files, which led to the first Tuesday of the month, Murder Files. I guess the only one I haven't told you about yet is the second one, which is The Hidden Treasure Files. And, right, and those are the right. five books. Well, let's talk a little about The Hidden Treasure Files, because, again, it's, it's a storyline that I found very interesting. Well, that, um, um, again, in the thumbnails, uh, The Hidden Treasure Files is about um, um, an international thriller where there is something that begins as a, um, um, an auction. And the setting is a small antique store. And once a week, the antique dealer auctions off little bits and pieces in his uh, store that he really doesn't like and he doesn't think is of value. And one is a framed permit going back to prohibition, and he puts it up at $2. Within 10 minutes, two different people bid it up to $100,000. And as you read, you realize it was worth much, much more than that, but not to everybody. One of the people it means a lot to is the head of the New York crime family. And it goes from uh, the United States to China to Russia to Germany and then back to America for a solution. And uh, part of it is a um, – I don't want to use the word cure because I made it up where I thought I did, but a cure for children's cancer. I was having lunch after that manuscript went to the printer, and it was with a friend who, um, whose opening question was, what are you working on now? And I told him about this book and the premise. And when I got to the cancer part of it, the, a man at the next table turned around and said, I, I apologize for eavesdropping, but I'm a surgeon, and uh, tell me more about this cure that you're talking about. And I told him it was a topical cure and it worked on children only because their skin was thinner. And, and he said, so you read the papers on them? And I said, I didn't know there were papers on that. He said, oh, yes, there are two um, uh, groups that are separately working on it in China. And one of them, uh, their work seems to be very hopeful for a cure. He said, I thought that was where you got it from. And I said, you know, I, I hate to tell you, but I thought I created it out of whole cloth. And uh, uh, it, it kind of created a life all its own for that book for me. Nobody's murdered in the Hidden Treasure Files, but you'll wish a couple characters were. 
Mm. And I, if I remember correctly, I think part of the uh, proceeds of that book, The Hidden Treasure Files, is donated to uh, a children's cancer research fund. Is that what it is? It's the Northeast Connecticut Cancer Fund, um, which was a charity I had personally been contributing to. And they, um, they got my attention because 100% of what they raise goes towards uh, both medication and, um, and other needs of children, cancer patients who can't afford the kind of care that other people can. And, um, and I, I donate a, a chunk of the money from the hidden treasure files to that fund. Oh, that's the reason in itself to purchase that book. Um, this, the series of, you know, the Will James series, and, and like you say, there's five already completed and a sixth one. Do you want to leak any information about number six? Well, number six was supposed to be the second book in the series. Um, and... The, the working title was uh, Will James' Final File. And it was, um, and it, I can tell you the opening scene was supposed to be uh, him sitting on an examination table and he's told he has three months to live. I have subsequently rewritten that and re-rewritten that. Most of my books go through dozens and dozens of rewrites. And now it's uh, uh, it's not he who is sitting on that table because my wife heard about it and said, you're not going to kill off Will James. I won't let you. And, and so it became another character. Aha. Uh-huh. But I'm into well, I'll be probably 3,000 to words already. <laughs> That'll be next Excellent. year, hopefully. Excellent. And I, I know your but readers... I haven't you told you about my newest book. I haven't well, that's told what you about I'm my newest to book. Next. <laughs> I'm getting there next. <laughs> I just wanted to wrap this up by, you know, wrap up your Will James mystery series by saying that one of the things I think you do best, and I don't see very many authors out there, and I have interviewed tons of them. I don't see that many who engage with the readers like you do. Uh, like you say, you receive tons of emails and, and you make a lot of personal appearances. So you have that one-on-one connection and that one-on-one relationship with your readers and you take what they tell you to heart. It's not like, you know, you just shake it off. You, you actually, you know, if they, if you actually have a thing where if somebody wants to be a character in your book, they can email you and tell you what kind of character they want to be. And you've written them into your book. So I, I really I have, have I to, have. I have to tip my hat to you as, you know, as an author who truly, truly engages the readers. And now I want to talk about the new book that's coming out very soon the family Rakusko, and this is way off the beaten path from what you've done before. And and I'm so proud of it. It's the largest book I've ever written. It's 524 pages, which is quite a lot. 
can you imagine what it would have been if I didn't edit it down to 524 pages? But it is the family Rakusko. It follows 10 generations of a tightly knit family. Um, it runs almost 400 years. And it's about a family that um, is the best at what they do. And they're con men, grifters, uh, and they get better generation after generation after generation. My book starts in 1642, Liverpool, England, and it ends on a park bench in Central Park, New York, in 2028, by the last living Rokusko. And I loved writing it. it. It took me through tons of research, uh, both from Britain as well as um, um, America. And I used real facts and people and events as much as I could. It just became a different kind of book for me. I sent it to a number of early readers that I used. and. Uh, they loved it, and it will be launched on September 14th here in America. Well, what was the inspiration for writing this book? Um, you know, it, it just seems like it's kind of totally different from the Will James series. Did something? Did an idea just pop into your head, or how did that come about? I've been a fan of magic for most of my life, not to perform it, but to understand how it works. And I came across a, um, an old um, gimmick that really started out from grifters, early gypsies in the 1500s, where they were able to just go from town to town and perform this little illusion and walk away with whatever valuables their audience had. And it kind of made me think, what would a life of a family who makes their living doing that be like? They have the same problems we have. They, they have to raise their family. They have to pay their rent unless they move overnight from place to place. And the more I kept thinking of what kind of a group of people can endure that for more than just one generation or one person. And um, it started building in my mind. And I used to make notes and just drop them in a little box. And before I knew it, I had no more room in the box. It was full of little notes. And I laid them out one day on a, my kitchen table and said, you know, there's a story here. And... That's how that started. It was never meant to be 524 pages, but it just built that way. And each generation tended to change the family business in such a way that they were part of their generation. It's been with us forever. Well, and how did these characters develop? I mean, you know, again, you're you're talking about writing faction, fiction, and in real life, and combining the two. And how did you uh, build these characters in the book? 
I think most writers do it the same way. I know how I do it is I've lived a very long time. I, I, a week or so ago, I turned 80. And I've met a lot of people both through work and, and personal life. I've traveled all my life almost. Um, and you build up little vignettes that sit in your memory. And sometimes it's almost like calling central casting saying, I want to do, I want to tell a story about grifters. Well, that reminds me of Fred or or Rita or whoever, and now I'm populating my scene with people I can actually see because I, I watched them, and after a while, they change because the story changes them. Sometimes the story changes because they change the story. I'm quite but they excited do develop for in your mind. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I know how your characters develop in the Will James mystery series, and I just can't wait to see how how the family Rakusko uh, makes it through history. And I think it's it's going to be quite a ride if it's any reflection on all of the other writing that you've done. Um, and, and, you know, one other thing I've got to say, in when I read your books – because you, you kind of brought this up, and, and I feel like when I read your books, I see those people. I can see the scenes playing out like watching a movie, and you don't get that very often. I, I don't anyway, you know, depending on what you're reading, but the way you tell the stories, the way the dialogue flows, the way the characters are developed, it's like you're watching the scenes in your head. So, you know, I must compliment you on that too, because it's, to me, that's very important. If I can't see and feel what's going on in this book, then it's not going to interest me, but yours all do. Well, a nice thing to say, and that's probably the best compliment you can make. Uh, but I think if if the scene and the characters are real to the writer, it becomes relatively easy to make them real for the reader. We're having a conversation when when you read a writer's work, and it can't come out of left field there has to be a beginning middle and an end because life has a beginning middle and an end and writing is really just reporting on life but changing the facts a bit it's not like reading the newspaper but but people if if you write them so that even if you don't like the character you care what's going to happen to them i think that makes it a more interesting read it definitely does and and your your character i guess it's your your character development woven into the imagination of of your storylines you probably should be a screenwriter too you know that marty <laughs> <laughs> again what a nice thing to say well it's another career another career door opening up for you well, I've got 40 more years, isn't it? Don't you live to 120? Isn't that guaranteed? Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, let's tell everyone where can where can they purchase your books. 
I used to send them to Amazon. I don't do that anymore. I, in fact, I stopped giving my books to Amazon because they don't ship your book. They print one on demand, and I don't, I don't particularly like the version that, that they show up with. And so my books are always available on my website, martinhermanauthor.com. And I try to make it as easy as I can. And it also gives me a chance to autograph each book um, as it goes out. So it's martinhermanauthor.com. That's martinhermanauthor.com. And yes, I think, again, you autograph every single book. You lay hands on that book. So when when a reader receives it, I think that makes a huge difference. Again, you have engaged people in another way. You, you're actually sending them something that you have touched, that you have taken the time to spread your energy into not only in the writing and putting the book together and the publishing, but you're also, you know, sending that along when, when you send it out and you go, you go to the post office and put it in the mail and then it shows up at someone's house. (laughs) I know you do. I know. (laughs) And I can see that happening. And I, I just think, you know, we've become such an age of high technology and you can download a book in five minutes and, and read it and be done within, you know, a couple of days. And I think the old school processes sometimes may be a little bit better. Um, I want to build that anticipation of going to the mailbox every day to see if my book came. And uh, <laughs> then once you get it, how much you appreciate it, how much you appreciate feeling it in your hands and reading the words off the page and underlining and dog-earing pages. And it becomes a possession. It becomes a part of going from one person to another it's a connection there that i think is is uh so much more important than just reading something on kindle and you know i although i have to admit i i probably read most of my books digitally uh just simply for the time factor i i I don't have time to sit down with a good book much anymore and i i miss that but yeah i think Everyone out there needs to be reading these books, especially if you enjoy a good story and you enjoy a connection with the author and the characters. You've done it all. Thank you so much for saying that. I just enjoy holding a book, you know, and and smelling the ink and and feeling the paper. And, And so I can tell you I choose the paper stock. I choose the font. And I do it so that it should be an entire experience for my readers. I'm a, I'm an avid reader, and and I I can tell when the writer cares about whether I like his or her stuff or not, and and I want that to be the relationship I build with my readers. And I think you've done a great job, great job at it. And. Also, I want to make sure everyone knows that they can follow you on Facebook. You have an author page there, author Martin Herman, Um, also on Twitter and Instagram. So please 
look them up on social media and start following. Um, you're going to find also a way to subscribe to Martin's newsletter. And I like to tell people within that newsletter, there's where you're going to find the good deals. And, you know, he does it very often. He's, he's always putting out some kind of a package deal or, you know, where you can save if you buy more than one book or, or sometimes, you know, different special offers that come out. So I, I highly recommend that you subscribe to his um, newsletter. And we'll be having one coming out here pretty soon, so hurry up. <laughs> Especially to introduce the new book. Yes, The Family Rakusko. That's what we're going to be working on on. Uh, really making people familiar with in the next few weeks so that um, so they can get that in their hands quickly. Well, Martin, is there anything else that you would like for listeners to take away today? Any final thoughts? I, I would like them to look inwardly a bit because I think everybody has a good story to tell. And um, uh, up until the um, coronavirus where, where people were locked in their homes and, and school campuses were, uh, uh, were no longer school campuses, I was teaching a course, several courses at UConn in Waterbury, Connecticut as part of their Ollie program to people who had been telling themselves their entire lives, one day I'm going to write my book, and I encourage people to write your book. Um, it's your legacy. It's a story that only you can tell. Even the people around you as you lived it cannot tell the story you can tell because it's your story. And, and so um, the message I'd like to leave with is write your book. And write, write it so that it becomes something that tells future generations you were here and you made a mark, you survived, you, 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 you built a family or a business or just surviving <laughs> becomes a full-time job for some, for some people nowadays. Um, and if I can help, um, Delilah's given you a number of ways to find me. You're welcome to dial my personal email address, which is mherman194 at prodigy.net. And if I can help you, it's my pleasure. Mm. That's wonderful. And again, I think it's uh, you've done a wonderful job of not only writing for readers, but keeping readers under your wing. I mean, to be able to help people with writing their own book is just a fantastic way to communicate, and I, I highly recommend it. Well, our time is just about up. Everybody, please go to martinhermanauthor.com. Check out all of the books in the Will James Mystery Series and be on the lookout in the next couple of weeks for the Family Rakusko. You will definitely enjoy every one of these books. You'll enjoy making friends with Marty. I mean, he's he's a friend to everyone. <laughs> and I, I so appreciate that. I appreciate you um, 
coming on today, and I also appreciate all the years that we've been working together to make this all happen for you. Well, it's my pleasure, and you're you're you're, uh, you're delightful to work with, and and I can tell you that uh, you've taught me every bit as much as I can think I I might have shared with you. Well, thank you, and uh, everyone, as you write your story. As you go out into the the big bad world as, as it is today, you know, I know things are very, very confusing for us in 2020 and some things are not the way we'd like them to be. But if you would just remember one thing as you're doing all of this is to be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. 